Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. I am Rachel Stolpe. I'm going to be the worship leader today. Mark will be giving the reflection later. Huge thank you to Rebecca for playing piano. Lori is going to lead our songs. Stevers is over on our tech. If you have any questions, check with him if you're on Zoom and have a problem. So today is the last Sunday of Lent before we enter into Holy Week, in case you've lost track or we're keeping track. Next week's going to be Palm Sunday. Throughout Lent, our theme has been Seeking God's Ways. It is based on the verse from Isaiah that says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. This week, our theme is From Scarcity to Abundance. Our focus statement is, as we seek God's way, we move from fear that there is not enough to the freedom of living within God's abundance. When I think about scarcity and abundance, I think about Grandpa Charlie, Candy's dad. Whenever you said, would say, how are you? He'd say, he'd always say, God meets my needs, but not my wants. And I, he lived such a life of such scarcity with his creature comforts, but such abundance of faith. And I feel that what we're talking about today is maybe a balance of this. I think there should be a balance. So when our new hymnal came out, Voices Together, we were in the middle of the pandemic. It was like being in a candy store and not being able to eat the candy. And we just kept listening to the songs on Zoom. And one of the songs that we listened to a bunch was sort of the theme, like the theme song of the Voices Together was the song Together by Nathan Greaser. There's some really good lines in this song, and my favorite is the, um, I will learn to see the log in my own eye. Um, so, I'm so happy that we can all sing, we can all be together, to sing together, together. So as we start worship, if you could stand with me, and Lori, is going to lead us. It's 389 in your hymnal, and if you could stand up, that would be, if you'd like, that would be great.
You can stay standing or stay seated, whatever. <laughs> if you could join me for the call to worship, it's in the bulletin. Together we seek the way of God. God fills our lives with love and beauty as a sweet fragrance fills the air. So let us laugh and shout for joy as we worship God together. Aaron's going to read the land acknowledgement for us, and then we will sing another song. Just as an aside, uh, if you have an iPhone, there is an app called Native Land that you can use to identify the native lands that you are on. I don't know if it's available for non-Apple-based phones. And I'll be using that to name the specific peoples who are or who have, had, who have lands here when you search for Wauwatosa. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. We affirm that settlers such as myself and maybe yours, you as well, have specific responsibilities in our continuing working out of our relationships and reconciliation with these peoples. And for us, congregating and living in the place now called Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, those indigenous peoples include the Kickapoo, the Peoria, Potawatomi, Menominee, Mayamiya, the Ho-Chunk, and the Okchekthi Sakawin peoples. We give thanks to Creator and to these peoples who have stewarded this land and continue to steward this land during our lifetime and for seven generations to come. We are grateful for the opportunity to live and work and worship here and among them as we give witness to the reconciling movement of God's spirit. And we seek to live into right relations with both our indigenous neighbors and our non-indigenous neighbors and all of the rest of creation. Let's stand again for the next song, number 42. Could it be that God is singing? I, I just want to read um, two verses. They're such good words. Verse 2, have you carried heavy silence? Have you let old sorrows win or proclaimed psalms of forgiveness but not offered them within? Oh, the spirit she was singing even when we could not hear her abundant streams of living waiting for us to come near. Hallelujah for my Jesus for his surprising course. May I too live bold resistance to injustice, hate, and force. Surely peace, it has a cadence, asking all of what we bring. And if music is God breathing, take a holy breath and sing. Could it be that God is 
you can join me in the responsive, our Lenten responsive reading. Your ways, O God, are higher than our ways. We seek God's ways. Lord, mentality into your abundant life. Our first reading is Philippians. It's um, chapter 3, verse 4 through 14, and Norm's going to read that for us. Keep in mind, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, not Norm. <laughs> if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had... These have, I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing not value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Our Lenten prayer of confession is adapted from Isaiah 55. Holy One, we seek you while you may be found. Have mercy on us, O God, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, and our ways are not your ways. As we walk with Christ on this Lenten journey, let us see your way more clearly and follow your way more faithfully. You have assured us, O God, that you make a path in the wilderness, a river in the desert, in the words of scripture and in the experiences of your people, over and over again, the answer was always right under our nose. The provisions have always 
have always there, been there before we could see it. May we trust in the gifts that have been given. May we trust that they are enough, enough and overflowing to the point that they may pass through us like a river in the desert, like perfume over our Savior's feet. Even now, the fragrance fills the air. May we breathe deeply your abundance. The next scripture is from John. Does somebody have that one? Thanks, Lisa. This reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who would, was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She brought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Seeking God's ways. That's the theme for this Lenten season that's provided for us by the Leader magazine and that's captured in the Isaiah passage that Rachel read at the beginning of today's service. It's on your bulletin. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the leader's editors put it, quote, the scriptures for each Sunday in this season reveal a truth about the ways of God, as well as the many ways that we, God's people, get it wrong. Today, as we seek God's ways, we move from the fear that there is not enough to the freedom of living within God's abundance. That's the focus statement for today. Now, why don't we think about that? There are a lot of us who experience stress and some measure of dissatisfaction that comes from that stress. We do a lot of lamenting. Time is in too short a supply to get all the things we think we need and want to get done. The pandemic has imposed many limits on us, affecting especially how we interact with one another. The political climate in this country is frankly, frankly pretty depressing, with little outlook for improvement. And a war is raging on a continent that had been largely free of it for our entire lives. One could easily view the glass today as half or even more than half empty. Today's scripture, the second scripture from John's gospel that we just heard, recounts a story of Mary, who is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, 
Jesus' friends and followers from the village of Bethany. Mary took an expensive perfume and anointed Jesus' feet, drying them with her hair, a tender gesture that expresses her and her siblings' love for Jesus, and also foreshadows how his body will be anointed after his death, which was fast approaching when this event occurred. Judas, as we heard, takes issue with Mary's gesture quite openly. And according to John, he inserts a parenthetical there, it's kind of insincerely, right? He sort of has a little bit of a, a poke at Judas there. Judas was complaining that this was a waste of, of precious resources. He said that the perfume could have been sold for a hefty price and the proceeds directed to the poor. So Judas's words at least are seeing the glass here as mostly empty. So how does Jesus respond? His response is direct and takes us and perhaps the others in that Bethany home that day maybe a little bit by surprise. He says, leave her alone. Mary bought this so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, somebody just hearing that might think Jesus is reacting kind of narcissistically, right? But come on, we know better. Jesus' fundamental message throughout the Gospels is one of, not of narcissism, but of empathy and altruism. Those are the very opposites of narcissism. So we need to unpack that a little bit, Jesus' reaction. One way to understand it, and remember he's reacting to Judas's grumbling, is maybe this. God wants us to do good work and to live lives according to God's will. And God gave us the perfect role model to follow, Jesus. And part of that means that we are not called to labor 24-7. From the very beginning, the seven, the Sabbath, was commanded to be a day of rest. God expected that the world would continue to turn on its axis on the Sabbath, that there would still be poor and otherwise distressed people on that day. But God also recognized the human's need to understand that, in fact, we are not in control and that we need regular breaks. As we sang just a little while ago, God is singing to us. God is comforting us. Yes, God expects us to, quote, resist injustice, hate, and force. But every now and then we need to, quote, take a holy breath and sing. As Jesus invites us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, very familiar scripture to folks, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I think another message in Jesus' defense of Mary's use of the precious perfume is a reminder that we should not get hung up on worldly things. By redirecting attention to himself for the moment and his impending death, Jesus is calling his companions there in Bethany and us now to turn to God and remember what God wants for us, which is less about stuff and more about love. 
Jesus is not saying that serving the poor is no longer important. Any more than God is saying that our everyday work is somehow not meaningful because God commanded us to rest every now and then. It's about balance and not losing sight of what really matters. This is my reading also in the first scripture that we heard from Philippians that Norm read. I'm going to reread it, but this time in the Living Bible Translation. Um, first, I thought I'd go to the message, and I did, and then it got a little bit too 70s colloquial. <laughs> and the, the, his synonym for rubbish, <laughs> which comes up in some of the translations, was not my vocabulary. I thought, eh, I'll keep looking. <laughs> and so I came across the Living Bible Translation, which is verses, I'm just reading verses 7, and, 7 through 11 here, but I think this kind of captures the the vernacular sound that's kind of that helps us sometimes, but but uh, doesn't take us too back to 1975. But all these things that I once thought were very worthwhile—again, this is Paul speaking, not Norm—now <laughs> I've thrown them all away, so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've put aside all else counting it worth less than nothing in order that I can have Christ and become one with him, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with God's self depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. Now I've given up everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. Last fall, I read an interesting op-ed piece in the New York Times that was titled, How Liberals Can Be Happier. The article was written by researchers who do not situate themselves on the progressive end of the social and political spectrum. Kind of, you know, went to the bottom and sort of see who these people were and where they came from. And knowing that, I approached the piece with a little bit of caution, right? Knowing that they were not on my wavelength. But it was interesting. Their research and research of others into why, as they say, and this is borne out objectively, that political liberals or self-identified liberals are on average less happy than conservatives in this country, leads to an intriguing insight. One of the quotes they had in there was from a professor at Harvard whose politics were not theirs, actually, a little bit more in the left of center spectrum. His name is Arthur Brooks. And this is what Arthur Brooks had to say. A lot of our happiness is out of our control. It's based on genetics and circumstances. But some of it we can't control. It requires that we invest in four things each day. Faith, family, friends, and work in which we earn our success and serve others at the same time. At the conclusion of this op-ed piece, the authors wrote, individual happiness is more likely to be found not by directly pursuing it, 
but by embracing social institutions that call on us to focus first on the welfare of others. Individual happiness is more likely to be found not by directly pursuing it, like going out and finding what makes us happy, but by embracing social institutions, community institutions, groups of people that require us to focus first on others and ourselves secondarily. And isn't, quote, focusing first on the welfare of, the, of others Jesus' basic message? So let's go back to the home in Bethany where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were living on that afternoon when Jesus and his followers set aside their work in serving others. This was downtime. This was dinner time. This was chilling, right? Relaxing. They were spending a moment together with quality time in a setting that clearly links three of these ingredients of happiness that I just mentioned. The faith part, clearly. The family part and the friends part, right? Faith, family, and friends were all there. But they did set aside that work in serving others thing, right? For the moment. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to know that singing was part of the fellowship that Jesus and his followers enjoyed that day. And I was kind of curious, you know, not offhand, I was thinking like, are there instances in the gospels where Jesus sings? And it's like, yeah, there are actually. If you Google like Jesus and singing, there are a few, few references to that, right? So he was a singer too. And think about it. Yes, we can talk about things like work songs, right? You know, things like on chain gangs and, you know, these sorts of things where people are singing while they're doing work. But by and large, singing is mostly a kind of, we could say, a downtime activity, right? But downtime doesn't mean like tuning out or doing something that's wasteful or insubstantial. We experience it right now. In thinking about this scene here in terms of like the priorities in life, I'm reminded of a wall hanging that I've seen in many, many plain Anabaptist homes. It spells out the word joy. Have you ever seen that before, anybody? Maybe you've seen it in others. So it's like J, do you know what J stands for? Jesus. O, others. And Y, you, yourself. Right? So Jesus before others, before yourself. As somebody who works in a very secular institution and teaching a lot of secular subject matter, I have a way to kind of f to fiddle that thing into my, into my courses every now and then. Right? I'm not saying that this is something that they need to adopt or that they need to be Christian or something like that. I'm just simply saying it's like this is one way of kind of setting priorities. Right? J-O-Y. We can be grateful that the scarcity that we typically perceive in our immediate surroundings, like looking at the glass as being half empty, three quarters empty, maybe even just 10% empty, but empty rather than full. That that scarcity that we often perceive and that we lament is really offset by God's abundant love for each, each one of us. And this is love it's not just that we take and run away with, it's something that we share with one another in settings exactly like we're doing right now, right? This is a setting of love. We're here not for selfish reasons. We're not here to, you know, grab Rachel's nard <laughs> mixed with olive oil and run out to the next pawn shop and make a buck off of this. We're doing this because we love one another. 
kind of like the setting back in Bethany with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? And you know, I love that song that we just sang, the Together song, or we sang earlier. You know, yeah, we heard it a lot in that fall of 2020. It was kind of our theme song for the fall. I love it. I really got into it. And it's not just that it's really cool in terms of the music, but I think the words are really nice too. And so I want to just read this last verse together by way of closing things up today. We will sing our song together, sing in harmony. We will sing our song together, whether two or three. Jesus feels our pain, he sets us free. The Spirit's given us this song of hope to sing. God, we surrender. Just give ourselves up. Bring us together. Bring us together. Amen. Thanks, Mark, for that message about love. We continue to think about the cross. Let's turn to 323. 323, and we'll sing the three verses there. Feel free to sing in Spanish if you'd like. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us all together here. And thank you for the gifts of these songwriters that are just able to convey the, convey the message that we try to, but they can do it in words and with music and 
just really, it can really just touch you so deep. Today we pray for the, all of our friends and family who are not here that are traveling and hopefully we can all be together soon. I'm going to close with the second verse from the um, Shirley Goddess singing. Have you carried heavy silence? Have you let old sorrows win? Or proclaimed psalms of forgiveness, but not offered them within? Oh, the spirit she was singing, even when we could not hear her abundant streams of living, waiting for us to come near. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our last song is 797. We are people of God's peace. We can stand for that. I think it's a familiar one. Based on words from Menno Simons. Please stand if you're able. For 797. Be seated. Our sending.
We'll have our sending and then we'll have announcements. From this time and place into whatever awaits, may you follow God's way of abundance. May you recognize messages of scarcity as lies and open your eyes to the abundant life of God in this world. As you go, know that our God of the wilderness remains with you on the way. Amen. Go in peace in a little bit. i